just enough to shovel away. Cause we are on the great adventure of our lives, but we hardly know it. Maybe because of the speed we ride and all that we learned, we must have learned from long ago. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Today's guest just released his second solo LP, The Horse Comanche. He's the lead singer of State Radio and Dispatch. Please welcome to the show, Chad Stokes. Hey, Bob. How you doing today, Chad? Great. Thanks. How you doing? I'm good. Um, Chad, you grew up in Boston during the 80s, and uh, the Bobcast listeners were curious, what was the first concert you ever saw live growing up? I saw, um, I think as a 13-year-old, so this, uh, what year would that be, 89, I saw Steve Miller play at Great Woods, you know, like the local shed, um, that was my first big concert, and, uh, it was Thunder and Lightning, and I was there with a girl, actually my older sister's friend who I had a crush on, and, uh, it was, it was a dream. Uh, as a kid, like growing up, like what posters were on your wall? Who did you look up to? Who did you idolize as a musician? Uh, yeah, I had uh, Hendrix, like the, the from the Monterey pop when he's burning his guitar. Um, I had uh, Zeppelin, yeah, you know, pretty you know, classic rock stuff. I had I had a lot of those. Little little sports posters that were in the cereal boxes for a little while. Like yeah, I remember that. And uh, you know, of course, Bird and and Steve Grogan from the Patriots and nice. that kind of thing. I I, I put it pushed it all over my wall. Well, I, I guess I should say congratulations. Uh, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. That probably was one of the most. I didn't know you were a sports fan, so I mean, I imagine that was really exciting for you to watch that uh, play at the the one yard line. That was ridiculous. I yeah. still can't believe it. I really can't. And I would feel worse. I mean, you know, I would feel kind of less psyched about it, except those, the two times we lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants were so, you know, the catch on the helmet and everything was just like, it was, and it really felt like that curse, uh, the way curse came down with the ball and caught it on like the, you know, six yard line. I was just like, oh my God, we're going to lose again. Yeah, that was something else. You know, technically not a lot of people know this, but curse... After he caught the ball, he got up and he stepped out of bounds, so technically the clock should have stopped. Oh, really? Yeah, but uh, you can watch that online. But yeah, that, that was a surprise here on the Bobcast. I had no idea you were a football fan. but So I guess yeah, like, I like around like 96, 97, you start the band Dispatch. Yeah, up in Vermont, and um, actually it was really Pete, the bassist. I was playing with him in a band, like a rock band, and he was playing with Brad and the acoustic duo, and he really wanted to get us together, but, you know, Brad was really hesitant because I seemed like kind of a wild child to him, so it took a little convincing on, on Pete's half. So was the band always like a power trio from the get-go? Yeah. Yeah, it really was. So, like, you know, only only in the last couple of years have we added, you know, some friends of ours for certain songs. So around like 1998, 1999, 
you hear about this company called Napster and they pick up Dispatch Music and they start sharing your music with people all around the world. My question for you is, what type of, how did you process that? I mean, it was a completely new type of technology, a technology that bands like Metallica, Pearl Jam rallied against. But for you and your band Dispatch, it worked. Yeah, we, we really, you know, we, we became tight with Sean Fanning because he's from Cape Cod up here in Mass. And uh, we went to the congressional hearings even, and we just felt like there was no uh, representation from the independent um, bands out there. And for us, it was a way to, uh, you know, to start to level the playing field between the major labels and bands like us who were just kind of kicking it in the van and, and recording on our own dime and, uh, you know, playing at high schools and DFW halls. So it, it was, it was awesome. You know, we, we, we are not very tech, technical to this day, right? Pete and I are, are um, but we knew it was happening, you know, friends told us it was happening and we saw it in the, in the way that crowds started coming to shows and, um, you know, and, and people in California asking us to come out and play and that kind of thing. Um, we knew that we knew something was changing. Did it like uh, in today's world? I mean, like you could become an internet sensation overnight. Did it happen overnight in 1999, or it was a gradual process? <laughs> it was always gradual with us. I, I, you know, we it just kind of hit at the right time and, and poured um, some you know gasoline on a fire that that we had going pretty well. Uh, just in terms of our, our name was getting was it, it just sped things up. I think, but it it all seemed. The whole thing's always seemed very organic to us. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't until later, you know, starting state radio and and learning more about the music world that I that I recognize how how lucky and uh, how Dispatch's um, trajectory was quite fast, you know. Um, but I I would never say it was overnight. I would say over years. Well, over the years, the fire spread quickly, and uh, dispatches of music reached people all around the world. On uh, July 31st, 2004, approximately 166,000 people came to see Dispatch's final show at the Hat Show in Boston. Uh, from what I read online, nobody expected that many people to show up. What, were you, what was your thoughts on stage that day? I thought we had like two cops, you know, in charge of the detail that day because we thought it was going to be a wrap. Depending on who you talk to in the band, and we're all different levels of um, ambition and, and cynicism, I guess. But I think, you know, Pete thought there was going to be 10,000. I thought maybe 25 or 30. And Brad thought, you know, maybe 80. Um, but no one believed Brad. And so it was like, you know, we'll probably get around 15,000 people and we'll have a few cops there and it'll be, you know, a really fun day. And um, so when we heard the news that people were like spending, the, you know, by 9 a.m. that day or even earlier that, uh, you know, there was already 30,000 people there at 7 in the morning or something that it, we knew something was out there. Yeah, it was an amazing set. I actually watched, uh, you can go on YouTube and you can type in uh, Hatch Shell. Boston. The performance was uh, electrifying. Thanks, man. It was it was a really incredible day. That you know, I don't think our brains could process and, and for a very long time, or, or still can't really. Well, let's fast forward to the present day because I just picked up the Horse Comanche CD, 
And uh, first off, let me say right off the bat, I think it's an enormous a sense of gratitude that you gave fans um, listing everyone's name that contributed towards the Living Room Tour. Uh, the Living Room Tour, can you tell the Bobcast listeners um, exactly what that was? Yeah, we just, um, to be able to work on some songs and kind of battle test them in front of people and ask people's opinions, kind of invite people into the process and to, uh, and the ticket, all the ticket, uh, money from the tickets went into this, you know, basically paying for the studio. So it was a way to get some money for the album as well as, uh, include people in the process and, and, um, try out different songs, different, different parts of different tunes, different lyrics, different titles. And, um, basically months before the tour, I did a few tours, including one in Europe, which was really fun. We would say, they were coming to the city. Can you, um, can anyone house us? And people would write back, and then we we choose whatever seems kind of the most interesting, and then put it on the books. So, when you're doing the living room tour, are you writing music on the road, and then trying out new stuff each night? Uh, sometimes, um, mostly it was like a, I had maybe like twenty songs that were, that were up that needed finishing and, and uh, retooling, and, and so I would kind of work on those, and then but just by way of playing guitar every night and. Uh, some some new stuff cropped up as well. It definitely has a really conducive feel to the whole album. It feels as if it almost is being performed in someone's living room. Uh, I love the artwork. Yeah, that's good. I love the title Horse Comanche. When you go through uh, the CD, there's a collection of hand shadow puppets, which I thought was interesting. And speaking of the Horse Comanche and the, I guess, the spiritual effect of it has on your music and the Horse Comanche being the traveler that you, you ride through life, which uh, animal do you most associate with? I don't know. I love it. I grew up on a farm, so I on a little farm in Massachusetts. So I, I and my um, my mom especially is, is really connected to animals, and uh, so it was amazing seeing that as a kid. And um, I, you know, we grew up with horses and sheep, pigs and chickens. Um, I don't know. I. I uh, and dogs, of course. I, my dog Lefty is very dear to my heart, and he's part coyote and part wolf, and mm-hmm. part dog, and so he's kind of you know, captured my spirit. Uh, one of the quotes that is listed on the website, we are the adventure of our lives, but we hardly know it. Uh, I identify with that quote in particular. I sometimes say to uh, students of mine, you know, you're in the middle of missing it. And it's, it, it, it kind of resonates with me because it's like most people, they go through their daily life and they don't really take time to realize that we're all moving through this thing together. And then I guess listening to the Horse Comanche, it kind of, those, those themes pop up here and there. So um, here on the Bobcast, let's take a listen real quick to one of the tracks off the Horse Comanche. This is Prison Blue Eyes. to go downtown I miss you along the way I miss your stripes your lily whites that have turned dirty gray I've got to pay that bus I've got to make that fair I miss the kiss in your crooked teeth miss your pixie hair cause I hate to see you suffering don't ever want 
back here on the Bobcast with Chad Stokes. Chad, can you tell the Bobcast listeners a little bit about Calling All Crows? Yeah, it's an organization, an organization my wife and I started um, where we, we seek to bring bands and, and music fans together to engage in service and activism. Um, so we, we, when we're on the road with State Radio or Dispatch or the solo stuff, we have different uh, uh, different activities or, or, or projects we'll do before shows to meet up with fans and, and try to uh, learn about, uh, for instance, this year, the focus is uh, uh, women and children in, who are affected by the crisis in Syria, by the civil war there, and the uh, what's going on in the refugee camps and, and how we can help and it's been a uh, it's been a really it's been a really wonderful six years we've been doing it and uh, you know been been great learning about different issues and 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 talking to people who've been directly affected by those issues uh, whether it's talking to Syrian refugees here who have immigrated over here or um, in the past um, you know standing at street corners with uh, uh, pro-gay marriage signs in, in certain cities, uh, you know, where um, that may or may not have been uh, friendly to that kind of thing. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been a way to kind of round out the, uh, the experience of the road so that uh, it's not just about going to ven- you know, from venue to venue. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Uh, it's a good way to spend your day waiting. I mean, especially when you're a musician and you got to wait till 9 o'clock at night to go on stage. 
some musicians, I guess they choose to sleep all day, but you, you're a social conscious person, so uh, I'd like to uh, say thank you for that. Can you uh, talk about, I mean, we got these big shows coming up here in the summertime. Dispatch is playing two shows at Madison Square Garden. One of them just sold out. This event also kind of contributes into the social awareness and raising awareness for, can you tell the Bobcast listeners a little bit about what Dispatch is going to be up to in July? Yeah, so we're, we're playing those MSG shows, those two shows, and uh, trying to shed some light on hunger here in the States and what's happening, why there are so many kids hungry in, a, in, a, in such a wealthy nation, in a relatively wealthy nation. Uh, what, where, where is the, um, what's being blocked? Because there's, there's definitely enough food in this country. And, and how does that, how does hunger relate to minimum wage and the poverty line uh, and advertising um, schools, that kind of thing? I think it's fantastic that Dispatch is a band, but when Dispatch gets together, it becomes something a little bit more than a band. It becomes like a like a social movement in a way, and it raises awareness. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward. I think that I'm going to come up to that show. Um, my friend Will, my friend Will's going to hook me up with a ticket. Uh, Will is a, a teacher that I work with here in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. I guess it was a month ago. I was fortunate enough to come to a living room concert there at his house for his 50th birthday party. And I got a taste of the Horse Comanche music that you just put out, and as well, I guess, as the the writing process, and you know, kind of like what you were going through last year. So I promised Will and his son that I'd ask two questions that they never got a chance to ask you. Uh, Max is uh, Will's son. Max absolutely loves Dispatch State Radio, and I think I mentioned it to you there that night. I I wish that my father would have bought Kurt Cobain for me back in '93 and had him come into the living room. <laughs> And play some of my favorite songs. So, I mean, I told Will that night, I was like, I think what you did was great because it's your 50th birthday party. But for Max, it was something really special. Uh, Max yeah. Starr, he wants to know, um, when you perform live, sometimes I guess you like to change your lyrics up. He wants to know the reason why. I mean, I guess it is a sense of uh, punk rock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> punk rock in that I'm probably just fucking the lyrics up. <laughs> I'm probably just messing them up. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes I think the uh, I think the the way for whatever reason a song kind of keeps evolving after the uh, the recording. So from the recording, it, you know, you sing it a certain way, and then um, but the song evolves after that. So so I think I just probably got to certain patterns that I don't realize that uh, the, that the recording is different. Um, so that's that's probably why, unless unless there's, uh, I can't think of any real um, <clears throat> real reason why I like tweak this or that word, unless I just thought uh, afterwards that actually it's better this way, you know, and I made a mistake of, <laughs> you know, I'm choosing it a certain way on the recording. Yeah, you, are you sure that's not like a little bit of aesthetic of punk rock? Because I have been watching some of those YouTube videos, and you do like to thrash. I do what? You like to thrash on the guitar. You like to kind of just like sometimes I've seen you do one song differently a couple different times. So to me, it's all about, you know, the element of rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, the, I guess uh, that's when, that's when, it's, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways I miss um, state radio because it got to a point where state radio is so much about uh, the energy and just like the kind of release, you know, and uh, I don't get that as much with the other bands, and and so it, 
musical experience as much as it is about like here's a song kind of thing. Yeah, Will wanted to know about that. Uh, state radio. What's the chances of seeing another show in the states? It's the chances are good eventually, but it's it's kind of tricky now. I'm trying to juggle the three bands, and so kind of on the solo thing now, and then um, and then dispatch, uh, and then it'll probably hit up the state radio after dispatch is run, and and recording. Probably do a recording with dispatch first, and then and then do state radio. Fantastic. So. I really appreciate you giving me a call today here on the Bobcast. I just got one more question for you before we go. Uh, in the last couple of days, I've you know done my research. I've looked at your career. I've listened to the things you have to say. And considering you have fans, I guess, all around the world and a large following here in the United States, would you ever consider running for office? <laughs> now, I asked somebody you know, this earlier today, but you know what, though? I don't think we've ever had – I mean, maybe we've had some sort of celebrities who – become politicians, but we've never had a musician who was socially aware of everything run. And if you ran, I guess, in your home state, I think you'd probably win. Would you consider it? Uh, I wouldn't. I, you know, I'd love it if my wife ran. Um, that, would, that would be amazing for me. I think, you, you know, you, I think Bruce Springsteen gets asked that. Um, and and there's, there is precedent in, in other countries, um, I think especially in, in South America where, where musicians have made it. Um, but yeah, I think there's, you know, I just like, I like writing and working on songs so much that, that the time needed to to research the different policies and to, to make really informed decisions. I guess you have people who help you but <laughs> with that kind of thing, but I just think I, I wouldn't be... Uh, I just the, the, I think I like playing music so much that I'd rather that be the, the lion's share of my life, you know, between family and that. Well, who knows? Maybe late, later down the road you might consider it, but uh, you have to get into Sybil's ear. Maybe she can uh, start the process next year and get somebody yeah, to I'll represent. Be, can, I'll be your campaign manager. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, Chad Stokes, uh, the album is Horse Comanche. You could buy it now on iTunes. Check them out streaming on Spotify. Chad, I really appreciate you giving me a call today. Uh, I wish you uh, well on your tour for the Horse Comanche and the two Madison Square Garden dispatch shows coming up. Thanks, Bob. Great to talk to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been another episode of Bobcast. Don't kill us, we'll be strong